2: What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me!
3: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
2: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
3: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know this. I ain't no spy skill.
3: Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen.
2: I want to be remembered for just being me.
3: Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a Minute Without Parent, only in theaters, May 17th.
1: Hello and welcome to Saver production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum.
0: And today we have an episode for you about soba noodles.
1: Yes. And it does have a lot of confusion based on your soba noodles uh, (laughs) clarification. Mm -hmm. But we're going to try to we're going to try to get through it. As we always do. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think it's going to be great.
1: (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, Just like soba noodles are great. I cooked some before I even knew we were going to do this. I had a craving for for soba. All right. Yeah, sometimes it happens that way. Um, I did bring. I I cooked a ton for D and D that one time. Yeah. Oh, oh was my so gosh, good. it was so good. <laughs> oh, they're so good with
0: like just a light flavoring. Like they don't need much. They really don't. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you can do whatever you want. We can't stop you. But, but right. no, they're 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 such a lovely taste and texture just unto themselves.
1: They are. Was there a reason that you had this on your mind? Um, nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, <What?
1: laughs> if, if, if
0: if there was, it is lost to the sands of time. I I've had I've had a whole week, y'all. Uh, mm. I, it's 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 fine. It's great. It's great. It was it was a good week. It was very productive on a whole different show that's coming out around Halloween. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i Which, may or may not be involved oh yeah yeah no you wrote a thing yeah I did, and it's got a lot of food in it it mm. does it's very upsetting thank you annie you're welcome
1: <laughs> i feel like all of mine have some kind of food element. they do it's sort of our shtick yeah, it is it's true <laughs> mm. <laughs> well i also am having a bit of a i won't say a week but my if my voice sounds a little different I got a whole thing going on, which is just essentially. I hope that I just fell asleep with my mouth open. But if it sounds a little rough, I'm working on it. I think you're doing so well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I did make soba noodles in Japan, and I know I've talked about this before. I have a video of it. I should publish it. Um, Yeah. I was so scared. You know me. I'm like getting everything right. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. You don't want to do
0: the wrong thing. You don't know. if Don't want to offend anybody. You don't right. want to chop off a finger. You. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, but it was
0: so nice. Like we,
1: me and a friend did it and she is much more, I cook a lot of stuff, but I don't venture out, uh, too much in what I would personally consider right or wrong. Like, Oh gosh, that's going to be too difficult.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh huh.
1: Um, she does so mm. she really wanted to do it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh we got to we made them and then we got to eat the results of our labor oh, at the end yeah. and it was delicious and it was just like a little soy sauce um i think maybe some spring onion and maybe some sesame seed and that was it and it was yeah. really good oh yeah Uf. yeah well yeah well, well, maybe I'll post it. I still have that video. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Uh, you can see our New Year's traditions episodes where we briefly talked about soba, um, mm-hmm. which we'll get into more in a second. Uh, maybe ramen, um, soy sauce, perhaps. Uh, have we done a soy sauce episode? Sure. I. <laughs> if we haven't, then we will. <laughs> It's for some reason I was convinced we had because we talked about this. It could have been anything. It could have been mm-hmm. anything. Um, but OK. We'll look into that later. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to our question. <laughs>
0: yes. I mean, apparently we have many questions, but let's get we to do. a particular one.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Soba noodles. Oh, what are they?
0: Well, uh, soba noodles are a type of noodle made with buckwheat flour, um, usually blended with a bit of wheat flour, maybe other stuff. Uh, and buckwheat is nutty and earthy in flavor, and uh, often ground a little bit coarsely in texture. And it does not contain gluten, so it can lead to a to a soft or like slightly crumbly noodle. If crumbly is a texture that you can apply to noodles in your mind, um, uh, but when you combine it with a little bit of wheat flour, you get this really like delicately flavorful noodle that has a, that has a good spring and cohesion to it, and they're usually cut long and skinny, like a slightly skinny spaghetti kind of thing. Um, soba noodles can be served warm um, as the starch base or the star of dishes or soups, or served chilled, um, usually pretty plain yeah with like a dipping sauce um, but but sometimes in a noodle salad sort of situation they're really versatile um, they're like a, they're like the whole grain bread of, of noodles um, mm-hmm. they're this deceptively simple thing that has a lot of depth and, uh, and almost richness um, like a, like the Josie and the pussycats film from 2001. Ooh, nice <laughs> reference. <laughs> I'm so sorry to, and I mean that genuinely in a positive way. I love that movie. I will hear no bad words against it. <laughs> I'm hoping this is going to be a similar experience to the Barbie film, which I am so excited about because bless Greta Gerwig. Um, yes. But yes. okay, I'm getting away from the main point. <laughs> um. <laughs> So uh, buckwheat, like Barbie and Josie and the Pussycats, is another episode. But uh, briefly, uh, buckwheat is not a type of wheat. It's not even really closely related because it's not a type of grass, meaning it's not a cereal grain at all. But it does have starchy seeds. Uh, Soba is the Japanese word for buckwheat. In American English, we have kind of appropriated it to mean the noodles, as, as that's what we have the most experience with. And this right. makes Googling in English really exciting. Yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, um, you can take buckwheat seeds and hold them, um, uh, either wholly or partially, uh, remove the seed coat or not, and then grind the seed itself into flour of whatever uh, fineness. The seed is white, but the seed coat is like brown to greenish. So you can tell usually if the coat was included by by the color of the finished noodles. Um, uh, White, if there's no coat in there, to like a greenish, to tannish, to to even grayish if there was some seed coat. And if any hull was included, that'll show up as like dark speckles usually in the noodles. Yeah. Um, but right, so so this this flour can then be mixed with wheat flour if you want, or other starches or seasonings like maybe green tea if you want. Uh, definitely a little bit of water, and then kneaded into a dough, which can be rolled and cut into noodles, and either uh, sold or cooked fresh, or processed by freezing or drying for cooking later. In Japan, uh, soba noodles are often served relatively plainly, um, as we've been talking about, to really allow the flavor and texture of the noodle itself to shine. You're you're looking at like like simple broths, light dipping sauces, uh, maybe some herbs or green onions or like strips of dried seaweed or, or other seasonings like that. Herbal or salty flavors are popular. And you know, like different types or preparations of flour or flowers (plural) are preferred for different dishes. But I mean, you know, like it's a noodle. Like, like people can and will do just about anything noodly with them.
1: <laughs> anything noodly, yes. <laughs> uh, and I will say, I have, I have more soba noodles. So, you listeners, send in those recipes. Yeah. Yes.
0: yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but, uh, what about the nutrition?
0: Well, you know, it can, it can depend, but, uh, but getting a whole grain or pseudo grain in this case in your noodles has some potential health benefits. You know, buckwheat has a good smattering of micronutrients and fiber and protein, so they'll help fill you up, uh, but to keep you going, you know, eat a vegetable and a fat, maybe a little extra protein. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All those mm-hmm. things would be delicious with a soba noodle, so. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> well, we do have some numbers for you,
0: yes. Um, ok. So in Tokyo, where soba noodles are a historic street food, the common ratio of wheat to buckwheat is two to eight. and And it's called out by those numbers. This is referred to as Nihachi soba or two eight soba. Um, and uh, there is an organization that has formed up to, like, recognize and celebrate this legacy of, of soba noodles in in Tokyo um, as of December of 2019 519 shops were affiliated with that organization
1: mm-hmm. And as mentioned, the noodles are traditionally eaten at Japanese New Year celebrations to promote longevity uh, basically like long strands of noodles for a long life so you want to get a really long,
0: Noodle. Sure, yeah. Um, this is specifically as part of a dish called a toshikoshi soba, which can be made in uh, different ways, but traditionally is like a hot soba noodle soup with, uh, with dashi broth, plus other seasonings and toppings to taste, some of which also have symbolic meanings.
1: Right. And from what I've read, again, listeners, please write in, um, the words for the slurping and lip-smacking sounds of eating soba sound similar to the words for the long-lived crane and the turtle. Um, okay yeah but also kind of on the like opposite side of New Year's
2: mm-hmm.
1: the snap of the noodles sometimes also means a clean break um, oh yeah and so it would be like the last dish that you eat before the New Year because you're trying to get a clean
0: break yeah 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 sometimes like as the countdown is happening yeah I love that <laughs> oh I mean I love soba anytime but like, sure ooh, but no symbolic okay. noodles are great
1: Symbolic noodles are great. Uh, Well, we have a lot of history of these symbolic noodles.
0: (laughs) We we do, we do. Um, And we are going to get into that. But first, we are getting into a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode
1: is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth.
2: Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: Okay, so this is not the buckwheat
0: episode. No. No. Um, No. But but, but it is an important component of Buckwheat noodles. So <laughs> it is.
1: It is. And, you know, speci- specifically in this case with Japan. Um, so, uh, buckwheat originally arrived in Japan in porridge form uh, via monks returning from China. Allegedly, people really started eating buckwheat in Japan in the Edo period, um, sometime in the 1600s, perhaps as a way to combat berry. Berry. Which is a disease caused by a lack of thiamine, or vitamin B1, um, and it was pretty common in the country at the time, likely due to a diet that was very high in polished white rice, which is low hmm. in thiamine. Mm-hmm. Which is, always amazes me—these kinds of things where people didn't know for sure, like the scientific reasoning behind mm-hmm. it, but were like,
0: "They were like, well, this seems to help." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're better when we eat that. So we should just do that. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Um, Some records suggest that people in Japan were eating buckwheat and maybe even buckwheat noodles uh, as early as the 700s CE to prevent famine and maybe even further back. But that isn't largely reported and the evidence is um, really lacking to support that. Others report buckwheat was introduced to Japan by 300 BCE, and because it can be grown in depleted soil, that it was a relief crop by the 700 CE.
0: Yeah, I've seen introduction dates ranging from like 1500 to 500 BCE, um, and then I think that there were probably waves of popularity that, that occurred over time after that. Um, But yes, whenever it arrived, um, its original use was probably more or less whole grains cooked into a sort of porridge. Then, uh, later, by like the 12 to 1300 CE, uh, stone hand mills arrived from China, and people started experimenting with just all kinds of flour-based recipes.
1: Yes, and in the early days, buckwheat was largely consumed in the form of cakes, made with glutinous rice or in dumplings, which sounds really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like like a like a type of a type of mochi made with hmm. buckwheat instead of rice flour or maybe in combination. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, there was also a dish called sobagaki that entered the scene. Um, This is like a snack or appetizer made from uh, from stirring hot water and buckwheat flour into a sticky sort of dumpling. Um, people were probably forming buckwheat dough into rope noodles or maybe even cut type noodles during about this time. And by the late 1400s in Kyoto, uh, members of the aristocracy may have been treated to, uh, to soba noodle-type dishes. But the earliest records of soba noodles as we know them today are actually from the earliest records we have of soba noodle knives, uh, which come from this one Buddhist temple in Kyoto called the uh, uh, Joshoji Temple. So by 1574, temple records indicate that these knives were present, and thus that soba noodles were being made. Uh, these knives are called a, a soba kiri, and they have this, um, it's a really interesting shape. They have this long blade that extends back under the whole length of the knife's handle. Um, so so like your, your, your hand goes into kind of a U shape that's formed by the handle, and then the edge of the blade of this knife that goes all the way back. Um, and, and they have a pretty heavy weight, too, that lets you cut these very long, even strips very smoothly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> They're beautiful. They're beautiful pieces. I yes. recommend looking looking them up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: By about the middle of the sixteen hundreds, uh, soba noodles made of hundred percent buckwheat were a popular dish and uh, sometimes delivered to homes. Um, they were really soft uh, and 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 steamed in these bamboo baskets and uh, served with preparations of miso.
1: Uh. <laughs>
0: Oh no, the craving is so strong. These that was wrong. like the saddest sound I've made on this podcast. <laughs> I think, that, I suspect that's something you can go do right now. Like, I, it's you probably true. have the ingredients.
1: I do have, I have miso. Oh, okay. Um, all right, <laughs> well... Beginning in at least the 17th century, paintings depicted soba, the noodles specifically, as a favorite dish in Tokyo. Uh, Soba vendors were popular too. After restaurants closed, these soba vendors would travel and sell their noodles to feed those who were still looking for something to eat. Very smart. Mm -hmm. Um, These portable stalls could be transported by one person and were featured in a famous 1837 painting which uh-huh. is a very beautiful painting but yes. yeah you can see uh all the all the, all the little food vendors it's really cool yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh but yes soba noodle vendors soba noodle vendors sounds so good okay um <laughs> and yeah as you mentioned the ratio was an important part of this by using 80 percent buckwheat and 20 percent wheat producers created a more resilient slurpable noodle and uh-huh.
0: During this period, uh, there were also like fancier restaurants and more permanent stalls where soba noodles were sold. Um, but right, these these vendors were just so so portable because it was just a, a case basically where they had some baskets of pre cooked soba noodles and then like a like a pot or um, or kettle of hot broth, and so you could just serve it to people. Just boop, just there you go, <laughs> <laughs> just boop, and then you've got. Delicious
1: soba noodles. Yes. (sighs) And allegedly, some of the earliest soba restaurants have their original noren, um, which is the curtain that hangs over the entrance of of restaurants uh, in Japan. And some of them are over 300 years old. What? Yeah. That's it. That's what they say. I believe it. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, And. Some sources also suggest that soba noodles were so popular in Japan that by the time the Chinese arrived with their own noodles, often called ramen, I don't see our ramen episode, you can go Mm -hmm, into that. But mm -hmm. when they arrived with their own noodles, uh, sometime soon after the Edo period, the Japanese called these noodles soba um, and even Chinese soba. Uh, So like yakisoba yakisoba is another example so this dish uh is usually made with chinese style wheat-based noodles and there's no buckwheat involved so like yeah that's so fascinating that it became uh-huh. such a
0: thing that it was just a this is the noodle shape you've got that noodle shape so sure soba yeah it's soba uh-huh uh skipping way ahead uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> The Tokyo Two Eight Soba Initiative launched in 2019, and it was aimed at maintaining the history and traditions of soba. So we've talked about a lot of that stuff before, of just these things to kind of nail down the rules and the history and all of that stuff. Yeah, of what soba is, but
0: and encourage encourage those traditions and encourage yeah people to come eat them.
1: Oh, I am ready. I am encouraged. I'm encouraged. Yeah, I'm encouraged to <laughs> <Job you. done. laughs> Yes, I am so encouraged. Oh, gosh. Please, listeners, please. This is one of those ones where it was, again, because we we're in the United States, English, Google, sort of hard to find a lot of info. But also, yeah, like if just let us know if you know any
0: recipes.
1: Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah.
0: If you if you have a very specific dipping sauce that you oh. make and like and likes like everyone else's ratio of mirin is wrong, like let us know. <laughs> like these are important yes. things. Um, extremely,
1: <laughs> extremely. I
0: think. Um, gosh, I, uh, I, I. I think I, I went to this one um, very, very, very Japanese izakaya in New York City one time. Um, I, like I like to the point where like the wait staff had about as much English as I have Japanese and it was really embarrassing for me. I think they were very entertained by me, but anyway, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like, like it was right around new year's and they had this dish of, um, Oh gosh, like, like, like Kuro and Shiro, um, uh, sesame soba. And so it was like, like a hot and a cold preparation with, uh, with black and white sesame seeds and Oh heck. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sounds
1: so amazing. It was really good. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. That's what I said at the top. It's like they really are good with just kind of these dipping sauces. They're so, the texture is so unique to me. And they just soak up those flavors and it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I got a pack. So somebody let me know what to do. Yeah. I'll probably just cook it and then dip it in something but if you have a a recipe
0: absolutely please always write in in. oh yes
1: you know we (laughs) love those recipes but I feel like that's what we have to say about soba for now it
0: is it is Uh, we do have some listener mail for you though and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors
3: At edu.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: And we're back with Listen No. <laughs> Slurpable noodle. Slurpable noodle. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? I, I'm just trying to live my most creative life. I'm, um,
0: I cannot argue.
1: Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, speaking of Arik yeah. wrote, <laughs> we need more Lauren singing stuff. <laughs> even if it is more of a between talk and sing. <laughs> hmm. Little bits like that always give me a smile. On to swordfish. It is a good fish, but I have found it is hard for me to cook well. When I'm at a good seafood place, I'm willing to order, but I haven't tried to make it at home in some time. I've had good recipes, just have had a hard time hitting the cooking right. Maybe it's time to try again. Hmm. The piña colada. (laughs) Young Lauren with her fancy virgin frozen drinks. (laughs) I like the don't have to think too hard about the description. Fits the drink. Hmm. Yes. Uh, A good one just hits right when you are in the mood. Hitchhiker Brewing here has one beer, Whole Punch Pina Colada, and another based off the Painkiller, which has Pina Colada vibes, waiting for them to come back into rotation. Now, I have to say, a cocktail origin story being debated, never, well, almost never. Okay, well, let's move on. (laughs) Why does a cement mixer of pina colada sound like something a group of college kids would Hmm. come up with? Think it is time to sit back at a beach bar with pina colada and get Lauren her (laughs) dacty. Once again, love the show. It always brings a smile to my face, can bring back memories, and provides ideas and new information. There have been times when I've just needed an escape, and I'll pick an old episode, pop on the headphones, and take a walk. Always puts me in a better mood. Aww. Aww. Oh, thank you. Heck I'm glad. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Aww. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I did see that. Maybe we'll come back and revisit this, but I did see that Uh, it's not a cement mixer, but like the original kind of frozen cocktail mixer. I think it got put in the Smithsonian. Oh,
0: cool. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, it did have a bit, it changed our. Beverage landscape. Oh, it absolutely
0: did. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: it's it still does have an impact, uh-huh. but um, it does. I mean, yes, the cement mixer part kind of feels very college-y. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but it also just goes to show that you know you can you can you can take a kid out of college, but you know yeah, it's true. You you can still be foolhardy and. <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. And I did get to have a pina colada uh, yeah. last weekend. Uh, and it came out of one of these, again, slushy a machines. Mixing, yeah. But like similar. Um, and it was delicious. It was so refreshing. Oh, goodness. Yeah. But you and I still have to go and we have to go and relax. We do.
0: I mean, um, I would love to be able to relax. <laughs> Sounds well, amazing. we're going to do Okay. It. <laughs> oh, all right. It sounds stressful planning to relax. All right. No, no, no. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Joe wrote, hello. I hope you are both doing well. I just listened to the swordfish episode and thought a Filipino sinigang might be a good recipe candidate. Uh, sinigang is my favorite Filipino food by far. It's a sour stew with a tamarind base that traditionally uses either pork or fish as its protein. I think the meatiness of swordfish would stand up to the sourness uh, compared to a more delicate fish. My dad likes to use mustard greens in sinigang when uh, when using fish, but green beans are also good and you can always chuck in a tomato for more sourness. You can go the more authentic route to make it by, uh, by, by using tamarind pods and or paste. Um, but there are also dry soup mixes you can pick up at most Asian grocery stores. Um, here are some links to the traditional uh, versus easy versions. I also had a long overdue trip to the Philippines and ate so many fruits, some of which were podcast topics and some that could be investigated for future ones, maybe. Uh, mangoes were, of course, number one. I must have had mango in some form almost every day. Freshly cut fruit, mango juice, or mango smoothies. I also had fresh durian for the first time after only having it in candy or ice cream form, and it was fascinating. The smell is so distinctive, but not as bad as I've heard it described. It was kind of like super funky cheese. Emphasis on the funky. That funk is part of the taste as well, but is balanced by the sweetness. However, the texture was what put me off because it was so slimy. A fresh jackfruit has a lovely mild flavor, and the size of the fruit itself is absolutely mind-boggling. The bananas here are small and starchy and are delicious in so many applications, whether grilled in a sugar syrup, um, sliced and wrapped in wonton paper and fried, cooked in more savory dishes like plantain, um, or just fresh. There's also nothing like fresh young coconut, uh, called buko. Uh, picked right off the tree. The coconut water is the best thing to drink when you're sweating buckets the way I was, and the young coconut meat is almost jelly-like in texture. Uh, pabellos are like grapefruits, more grown-up and sophisticated cousin, um, sweeter and more floral, with less of that uh, acidic kick. I didn't have soursop fruit itself. Uh, we call it o oh, guayabano. Um, but I did have it juiced, and it's great. Uh, mild, like an apple or banana, but kind of citrusy-sour, too. siniguelas. Um, hmm. Sure. Um, a- a- apologies, they continue. Uh, I only knew the Filipino word until Google told me other names, um, including hog plum. Okay. Uh, is related to cashew apples and tastes like mangoes, but with a tart, sour finish. Also Delicious. Mangosteen truly is a king amongst fruits, though. Sweet and creamy with a tart finish to offset the sweetness. It's hard to beat mangoes for me, but oh boy, did Mangosteen come close. Whew, that was quite the rundown on all the fruit I ate, but I know you two would appreciate my obsessive tally. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Oh my gosh.
1: You transported me. I want all of these Literally all of
0: them. Oh.
1: It just sounds so good. Like to me, this is going to sound really dorky. Um, huh. But just you describing this sounds so poetic, like those those flavors, those textures, especially yeah. in the environment you're in when you're like hot and it, keeping in the the context of yeah, share sure. them.
0: share your sweating and you get this nice refreshing, sweet, jelly-like kind of fruit, like what? Oh. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I always want fried bananas in whatever format. Like, that's amazing. I know.
1: I literally, Lauren, you saw, I, I had to, like, yeah. hold my chest <laughs> about, like, having wrapped fruit in a <laughs> kind of egg roll situation that sounds mm.
0: oh mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, right, just fresh mango. Just fresh mango, man. So good. Oh, my gosh. Uh. It is amazing.
1: And I do. So the synagogue. As you mentioned, sinigang. As you mentioned, uh, that sounds really good with this, this, the swordfish.
0: Oh my gosh! Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I. Uh, there, there are a couple Filipino restaurants around Atlanta, and I just need to go to them more. Yeah,
1: I mean, yes, uh, Yep. Yeah. That's that's what it is. <laughs> that's yep. the answer. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay, uh thank you to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com
0: We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks as always to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite
1: foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Visit pronamel.com.
2: Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. Courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach, yoga. How about a garden tour? Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play.